have a, a opening portion of Scripture, but I do have a lot of Scripture because I love the Word of God. And I've come to the conclusion that if I will stay in the Word of God, I'm always right. Is that a fair enough statement? If I step out of God's Word, there's a good chance I can be wrong. But if I stay in God's Word, then as long as I'm preaching His Word, we know His Word is pure. His Word is holy. I'm amazed at how God is able to touch a life. This last week, I had two different occasions uh, to pray at the beginning of a banquet uh, for various events inside our city or our community. And, and uh, Friday night, simple prayer. I, I do a lot of invocations, whether it's for city council or, or other events, but I, I opened this banquet up and, and read a, a few Bible verses and then I prayed, and I'm in the middle of eating, and, and I, I tend to take eating very seriously when it comes to that. And so, you know, it, it's a pretty serious affair with me, but I was eating, and uh, this lady came to the table where I was sitting, and tears in her eyes, and she said things along this line. She says, you don't know how much your prayer touched me. And I kind of stepped back, and I mean, I think it was a good prayer, but I don't know that, that I was trying to touch anybody. I was simply fulfilling a duty to open up an event with, with some prayer and, and ask the Lord to touch and bless. But tears in her eyes, she began to say, I just needed to hear that. There is something about it when, when you realize that what you have inside of you is desired by a lost world. That it, it's not always... Uh, thunder and lightning that touches people. It's not always some incredible, visible manifestation of God's presence. Sometimes it's just simply you being the salt and the light that affects those around you. Another gentleman sitting to my, my right, and I, I would just tell you without going into any details, he would be successful in every walk of life that you wanted to say he was successful in. Looking at me and said, and I've kind of lost my faith a little bit. Begin to lay out some things in his life that, that, that tainted him when it comes to the things of God. But just allowing God to speak, people desire what you have. I want to throw out two verses. I've got a place I want to go, I mean, I mean two phrases rather. Got, got somewhere I want to go in the sermon. But let me just throw out two, two phrases. There are uh, verbiage or language that we use in describing our church, and not just the lighthouse, but, but whether it's the organization that we're a part of, whether it's the denomination, if you want to use that word. But there's two words. One is the word Pentecostal. Second is the word apostolic. If you were to look up those two words in the dictionary, you will find that they are not, um, they, they don't mention per se that it's tied to a denomination. Instead, when you say Pentecostal, what you're referring to is that you follow what happened in the book of Acts, especially concerning Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of God's Spirit upon all those that were there. And so for that manner, I will tell you that there are Pentecostal Catholics, there are Pentecostal Baptists, there are Pentecostal uh, Assemblies of God, there are Pentecostal Presbyterians, there are Pentecostal um, uh, Methodists. I have met each and every one of them, uh, you know, those that, that claim that, those types, if you will. It has nothing to do with what is on the name of your church. It has to do with, do you go back to that day of Pentecost Acts experience and do you believe it's real? 
That's what the word Pentecostal means. The word apostolic, if you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, it gives two definitions. The first definition says, it is those that follow the teaching of the apostles. The second definition will say, it is those that follow the teaching of the Pope because uh, according to the Catholic Church, the Pope is a successor to the Apostle Peter. And so uh, they do that. That first uh, definition is the strongest definition for the word apostolic. We follow the apostles' teaching. And why not? Why wouldn't we follow the teaching of Peter? Why would we not follow those that wrote some of the Gospels? For they were the ones that walked with Jesus. And don't you like hearing things from an eyewitness? I don't know if you've ever been blessed or touched in your life to, to maybe it's a relative, maybe a grandfather, someone that was, was a part of an event that, that we only hear about now in the history books. But they will tell you, I was there. Something about it, it just makes it come alive. And that's where it is. I, I want to preach to you, teach to you, whatever it is. I want to talk to you about the Holy Ghost. Was that, is that all right? We, we like to throw those words around. And, and again, they are interchangeable. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit. However it is, I want to talk to you about the Holy Ghost. And in doing so... I want to invite you to turn to the book of John chapter 3. Now I'm going to ask that they put uh, on the screen, they're going to put the King James. But we hear this verse and and these verses, we hear it quoted and preached in the King James so often. And I want to uh, read it to you in the New Living Translation, which is a a more, uh, the, the, the wording becomes more modern, if you will. And I want you to just see it. As, as simply as possible, and we'll kind of correlate with the King James on the screen and the New Living Translation uh, that, that I'm going to read. Verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee, and after one dark evening he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we know that God has sent you to teach us, that your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, you would think for a moment, and I'm, I'm going to deviate from, the, from this for a second. You would think that, that that's an incredible statement. You've come from God. There's some miraculous things. You would think at the very least Jesus would say, well, thank you for noticing. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus just kind of jumps right off in the deep end, and this is what he says in verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and of the spirit. For humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wants, and just as you can hear the wind but cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you cannot explain how people are born of the spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Verse 10, Jesus replied and said, you're a respected Jewish teacher. And yet you don't understand these things. I assure you that we tell you what we know and we have seen, yet you won't believe our testimony. And how, if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? For no one has gone to heaven and returned, 
but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses was lifted up, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have everlasting life. And here is that verse that everybody knows and quotes. Again, I'm quoting and, and reading from the New Living Translation. For God so loved the world, or for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's amazing. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. Nicodemus, even though he had heard the miracles, there was doubt in Nicodemus' mind. I mean, uh, I don't, you know, sometimes I might get the chronologic uh, order a little off, but if you will, Nicodemus would hear that Jesus walked on water. Nicodemus would have a chance later to hear that he opened blinded eyes and touched the deaf ears and he was able to heal the leper and, and, and we know that he raised the dead but it was hard for him to believe the things that there were hundreds and possibly thousands of eyewitnesses for. And that's why Jesus said, you're having a hard time believing the things you're hearing. How are you able to ever understand the things that I'm telling you in the Spirit? But Jesus was not the only one that began to throw out these, these, the, these tidbits that you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. The book of Luke chapter 3, the book of Matthew chapter 3, both of those record the words of John the Baptist. And if I could only read one, I'll read Luke 3.16 where John the Baptist answered and said, I, am in, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, whose latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, and he shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. We heard Brother Jeremy Hart a couple Sundays ago preach an incredible message about you need to fight the fire of hell with the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I sat there in that pew and my spirit and my everything about me was shouting hallelujah in the inside and sometimes on the outside. John the Baptist said there is one coming who shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. This Holy Ghost, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, we sing about it, we talk about it, we preach about it. But I tell you, I don't want to just talk about it. I want it to happen in my life. I want it to happen in your life. I want the Holy Ghost to be present today. You got to get with me. I don't want the Holy Ghost to be some event that we look forward to that happens one time a year. But I am telling you the Holy Ghost is absolutely central to what we talk about being Pentecost or even what we talk about being apostolic. Everything that you find the New Testament beginning to happen, the new church that took place, took place I will tell you, could not happen except someone was baptized with Holy Ghost and with fire. In the King James Version Bible, 90 times the King James uses the words Holy Ghost. Seven times it interchanges it with the words Holy Spirit. And while there are some, no one here, but while there are some that would say, well, the Holy Ghost was a good thing way back then and it's not apt today. Well, I have a problem with that. I have a problem when someone says, we don't need that right now, and you're going to see why. If someone looks at you and says, you don't need the Holy Ghost, what they are saying, they may not know this, but I'm going to show you why it matters. If someone says, you don't need the Holy Ghost, what they are saying is, you don't need Jesus. I'm going to say it real slow, 
and then later on we're going to explain it very deep. But when someone says you don't need the Holy Ghost, they are saying you don't need Jesus because they are the exact same thing. It's a gift, first off. How many of you like gifts? I like gifts. It was my birthday. Some of you have gotten me gifts, and uh, I like opening them up. I love, I, someone put on, the, on uh, Facebook that we're less than 100 days till Christmas. Woohoo! And uh, I love gifts on Christmas. In fact, I've already got my Christmas list, and I'm going to give my mama. And I got it going, and I, I've learned that I can, now it's really cool because I can copy and the paste and the link of the uh, of exactly where I want it to get, and she can just buy it right online and have it shipped. It's so e they'll even wrap it for her, and so uh, I like getting gifts. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter eleven. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh will receive. He that seeketh will find. And he that knocketh, it will be opened. What kind of son would ask for bread from his father? And would that father ever give him a stone? No. What if the son asked for a fish? Would the father give him a serpent? If the son is hungry and asks for an egg, would the father give him a scorpion? And how then, if you being evil, just meaning that mankind is broken, how is it that mankind is not going to, uh, uh, even though you're evil and sinful and even though you're not perfect, how are you known to give good gifts unto your children? If you can do that, then how much more, and this is the key, verse 13, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? If you want His Spirit, it's as simple as asking Him. Why do I want His Spirit? Well, number one, it seals my salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says, In whom you've trusted that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you have believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Have you ever had something promised? And someone says, I can't give it to you all right now, but let me just give you a little bit of a taste of what's coming. Anybody ever had something like that? Yeah. So what it means is Jesus said, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, remember, he that's born of the water and of the Spirit, he's going to enter into everlasting life. Well, that can't happen until God comes back. I can't walk on the streets of gold until the trumpet sounds. I can't go hand in hand with Jesus until he calls us home. But he said, it's all right. Even though that's a future event, let me give you a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. I'll let you come to church. I'll let you lift your hands. And I will be with you. And I will be in you. And I'm going to show you. I'm sealing that. I'm promising you what's coming. That promise is what John the Baptist said. He said, he will baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Matthew, I'm sorry, John chapter 7, it records the words of Jesus. And we sung a song about it a few Sundays ago. And I made mention of this verse where Jesus stands up at the last day of that feast. And he says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he was talking about, verse 39, but this spake he 
of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. There's a reason the Holy Ghost can't come until Jesus goes back into heaven and it's found in the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14 records some of the last words of Jesus. It's Jesus preparing the disciples for everything that was about to happen. Jesus said, if a man love me and keep my words, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not doesn't keep my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. For some 33 years, Jesus walked upon this earth. For the last three and a half years or so, he had an active ministry where he connected with the disciples. He connected with the people. He was present. But this is what he said in verse 26, and I want you to listen very carefully. Jesus said, but... The Comforter, which, the, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring things unto your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world giveth, but I give it unto you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This Holy Ghost that we talk about that the book of Joel indicates and begins to prophesy when it said it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. It was that prophecy that Peter preached about on the day of Pentecost when he got up after the Holy Ghost had fallen on 120 disciples and followers of Jesus and he gets up at that and he begins to preach and he says this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel but here's the problem with Acts 2.38 here's the problem with the books of Acts chapter 2 if we're not careful We start looking at the Holy Ghost as an event. We start looking at the Holy Ghost like some spiritual checkpoint in our life, like a merit badge for the scouts or like a karate belt color that I just got to get the Holy Ghost. I've got to have this this ceremony. I've got to have this event happen in my life and then everything will be okay. I can check it off. But can I tell you today that the Holy Ghost is not an event. The Holy Ghost is not a merit badge in your spiritual life, but the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ himself. And if you got a Bible today, I want you to crack it open to the book of John chapter 14 because I hope you find a pencil or you find a pen and I want you to help follow along and somewhere, why don't you write some notes there in this book, in the book of John chapter 14 because I want to show you how the Holy Ghost is Jesus himself. See, and we're getting somewhere. I know I'm teaching today, but we're getting somewhere. If the Holy Ghost is an event and we're living our life for an event, then sometimes that event fails to manifest itself. Maybe we didn't do it right. Maybe we didn't create it perfectly. But when you get to the knowledge and the realization that the Holy Ghost is Jesus, it helps you pray an entirely different way. 
Watch. And I know we've quoted some of it and read it already, but let's, let's read it again. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. How many of you have your Bible cracked open in front of you? Let me see. This way I know who brings your Bible. No. <laughs> some of you held up cell phones. Those of, you that have, uh, those of you that have it in Bible, how many of these words are in red letters? Exactly. Because this is Jesus speaking. In my, or, or if you believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Can I just stop for a minute and say, I can't wait to get there? That's an incredible promise, my friend. Jesus says, I'm preparing a place for you. I am actively working because I can't wait for you to be here. Did you notice that Jesus is speaking? In the English language, we use pronouns, especially in this. And I, 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 This is what I want you to see as we go through it. I want you to notice the I pronoun, okay? Every time we go there, let, let, let's, let, let's help you out. Uh, uh, Brother Norm, in this right here, I, who is that talking about? Jesus. Everybody get that? So if you see the word I in this chapter, I want you just to see, hey, this is Jesus talking. Can I ask you one more question? Do you believe it when Jesus says it? I do. So let's follow it along. Verse 4. And where and whither I go, you will know. And the way you know. Now Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we don't know whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus answers and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come unto the Father but by me. Again, watch that. He said, I, Jesus Christ, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He says in verse 7, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. The Father refers to God, the unknown, unseeable, untouchable, if you will, God of the universe. The same God that breathed and spoke in creation and caused the world to exist. Uh, and, and so Jesus says, you, you, you know the, my Father, you've seen him. Philip, one of the disciples, says in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father. Let me give you Buford's translation. Philip said, show me God. I want to see God right now. Let me see him. He's confused. Philip wants to know, how can I know God? And Jesus said, verse 9, follow with me. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long with you, and yet you do not know me? Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Again, let me give you Buford's translation. When you see the word Father there, it's talking about God Almighty. And so what Jesus said is, Philip, if you've seen me, you're seeing God. If you're walking with me, you're walking with God. And so if you have seen me, how can you say, show us the Father? Now watch verse 10. Believe thou not that I am the Father. And the Father is in me. That is a question and it is a negative question, the way that it's written. 
uh, uh, it's just a, a, a way of writing it. But really what he was saying was, if you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I'm not speaking of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Jesus begins to explain, and I think it's very important that he, he uses the phrase, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. If he would have only said one of those phrases, it would have had a vastly different meaning. If he would have said, the Father is in me, or if he would have only said, I am in the Father. But what he was doing was he was kind of creating an inescapable argument. If you've seen me, you've seen God. Because God has been manifest in the flesh. The unknown, unseeable, untouchable God said, I'm going to come down to earth and I'm going to become like you so that I can die on a cross and blood can be shed and the innocent lamb can be slain. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Verse 12 says, verily, verily. That's just a real fancy old English way of saying, hey, listen, this is very important. I say unto you, he that believeth on me. All right. But Corey, can I ask you a question? I asked Norm earlier that I said it's Jesus. Who do you think in those red letters me is referring to? Jesus. Listen to me, watch that. He's talking about Jesus. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on Jesus. The works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I got to go back to the Father. If you will, I got to go back to heaven, Jesus said. I'm only, I'm only here till I'm about 33 and a half years old, and it's boiling down to that. There's going to be a moment, guys, he's talking to the disciples, there's going to be a moment, Brother Mark, when, when I'm going to hit the top of this mountain and I'm going to keep going and you're going to stand there and watch me ascend up into heaven and you're going to be wondering what's going on. How am I ever going to live without Jesus walking with me? How am I ever going to live without being on the boat in the storm with Jesus? How am I ever going to live when people are, 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 are sick and maimed and of the palsy and even dead and you're up there? How are we going to do it? It boils down to this. If you believe in Jesus, everything will work out. Look at verse 13. And whatsoever you ask in my name. Brother Bob, whose name is that? Jesus. Whatsoever you ask in Jesus' name, that will I do. Who is the I? Jesus. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16 is very important. And I will pray the Father. That's God. I'm going to pray to God. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, I know we're using some interesting language. We're using Father and Son and Holy Ghost and, and yet I'm trying to tell you that they're all one. It's very simple. See, Jesus has been talking to the disciples that for almost every day for three years, he has been with them. He has held their hand. He has babied them. He has painstakingly explained to them and now he's talking about leaving them. 
and they are petrified. I'm going to tell you that, that when you begin to study it out, they, it, it affects them so much that they begin to cry. They're experiencing separation anxiety. Their, 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 their Savior is walking away. And Jesus says, but let me tell you something. Even though I'm going to go, I will not leave you comfortless. Watch verse 17. Just, just give me a moment to, to walk you through it. Even the spirit of truth, because it says, I'm gonna, we're going to give you another comforter. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be with you. So here's what happened. Here's Jesus walking with the disciples. And he says, I'm fixing to have to leave. But we're going to bring the comforter. We're going to leave the comforter. It's going to be with you. And the world's not going to understand what this comforter is about. The world's not going to understand this spirit of truth. But you're going to know it. Why? Because you have walked with it and soon it will be in you. There was going to be a familiarity between what was about to happen. And we know it happens in the book of Acts. They didn't know that yet. But there is a familiarity with what they were going to receive in Acts and what they were experiencing walking on earth. He said, when the comforter comes, the world's not going to know it because they don't know me, Jesus said. But because you know me, you'll recognize the comforter. Now watch verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I, who's I? Jesus. I will come to you. Now we're going to hit this in just a moment, but let me remind you. The Bible says a few verses before, the Father will give you a comforter. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. Can I tell you, there's not two comforters, there's not two spirits, it's just simply one. There is one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is one God, manifest in the flesh, come to earth, died on this earth, and rose again, and he said, I will not leave you verse 19 yet in a little while the world will see me no more but you shall see me because I live and you shall live also and at that day so there's a specific day about to happen at that day you shall know that I am in the father we've already heard that and you are in me and I am in you watch this not only is Jesus in the Father, not only the Father in Jesus, but there will be a day when Jesus will be inside of you. And I can't wait for those moments. I, I, if, if I would have been Peter, I would have been jumping for joy, saying, you mean you won't just be beside me? You won't just be walking with me, but you will be inside of me? Oh, I want that. I know Peter had to be excited, but maybe he didn't quite understand. Verse 21. And, he, and Jesus says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved to my father. I will love him and will manifest myself unto you. Now Judas, not Iscariot, this is key. There was another one by the name of Judas. Judas says, Lord, how will you show manifest, that's the word show, how will you show yourself to us but not show yourself unto the world? How is it that you could only show yourself to me and, and those here and not everybody else? And that's a really good question. So Jesus says, verse 23, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. 
He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And these things have I spoken to you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 16, verse 18, and now verse 26 all uses the word comforter or or, or a version of that. This comforter, Jesus said, me coming into you is called the Holy Ghost. When Jesus said, I will be in you, he was saying, that's going to be called the Holy Ghost. When, When he said that I will not leave you alone, but I will be with you and I will be in you and I will send the comforter, he is saying that is the Holy Ghost. Now let me fast forward a little bit. Those disciples Jesus has left, those disciples Jesus, his last words were, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Those disciples are in Jerusalem and they are all alone it seems. And they were praying but perhaps they did not know exactly what they were praying for. You don't have to know everything in order to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to know everything there is to know about about God and his word all you have to do is be in the right place at the right time in the right frame of mind and they begin to pray and I know there was Peter or James or maybe Mary because the mother of Jesus was in that upper room too and I know that they were trying to remember everything that Jesus had taught them I can I can just imagine if you will like I said Mary was up there the Bible uh, says that in the book first part of the book of Acts Perhaps Mary was kneeling beside her rugged old stone pew or whatever it might have been in that upper room and she says, I miss you, Jesus. I miss you watching the water turn into wine. I I miss you moving uh, heaven and earth to perform the miracles. And I watched you die on that cross and I thought it was over. I watched as they buried you in a tomb and I thought that would be the last I would ever see of you. But oh, you rose again on that Easter Sunday and I was able to wrap my arms around you, Jesus, and it was awesome to see you. And then you left me again. But yet you told me you would not leave me comfortless. Mary, with tears rolling down her face, says, Jesus, I'd give anything to feel you again. I'd give anything for you to be right here with me again. You promised it. You said it was going to be there. And and the day of Pentecost was fully come. And they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And at mid-sentence, I just believe that Mary threw up her hands and she was filled as all of them were with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and maybe just maybe old doubting Thomas said hey wait a second do you remember when John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize us with Holy Ghost and with fire This is that spoken up by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and they receive the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. They knew, those in the upper room, they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt what had happened because they had walked with Jesus. 
They had talked with Jesus and they knew that Jesus was living in them. Nobody had to explain it to them. Nobody had to teach him a Bible study because they realized this is exactly what was happening to them. You ever got a phone call from somebody you know and you can't see them? But as soon as they start talking, you know exactly who they are because you're familiar with them. Yeah. See, they knew it was Jesus. Those onlookers, they needed some explanation. That's why Peter had to preach to them. But those that were filled with the Spirit, they knew it right then and there that I have received Jesus in my life. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, first, I just wanted to explain to you that it's not an event. It's not some incredible phenomenon. It's as simple as, Lord, I want you in my life. And if you're going to get Jesus inside of you, there's going to be some changes that goes on. See, this is why I, ha- I just, I can't, I can't wrap my, and I'm not trying to be ignorant, I'm not trying to be mean, I think y'all know me enough that that's the farthest thing from my mind. But that's why I cannot wrap my mind around, nor can I accept someone that says, I accepted Jesus in my life, and they walk away, and nothing changes. Because when Jesus walked to lives, when Jesus, he, he, he went up to dead people and he raised them to life. He went up to people that were with leprosy and he healed them immediately. He walked up to people that were deaf and dumb and he was able to restore their voice and their ears. He Everywhere he went, God affected a change and you could not be touched by Jesus and be unchanged. And if God of the universe so sees fit to come inside of my heart how in the world could I act as if that's just a common day experience which is why the Bible says and teaches and I hope you hang with me for this Bible study we're doing on Wednesday nights because we'll get into it in depth The Bible says when they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it was a sign to all around them. It was amazing. It was incredible. There was no way to doubt it. There was no way to to say it didn't happen. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe with everything that's in me, that if you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you have spoken in other tongues. But Somebody listen to me right now. We have to be very careful that we don't get caught up in seeking and wanting the sign rather than what the sign represents. Some of you today, maybe, maybe you've talked to me, maybe you've talked to others, but you said, I really want His Spirit. I want that Holy Ghost that you keep preaching about, Pastor. And while there's no doubt that speaking in tongues is a scriptural evidence for the initial filling of the Holy Ghost, our goal is not for you to speak in tongues. Our goal is that you get Jesus. Because if you get Jesus, it will happen. Because it's the evidence. 
When you're filled with the Spirit, you won't have to worry about it. It's going to happen. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to know it. There's no maybe with Christ. It is a life-changing, incredible, definite experience that will take you from being a sinner, take you from being someone that, that's walked according to the course of this world. And if you think baptism in the water of baptism was amazing, you ought to wait until God of creation takes up residence inside your heart. While this verse can apply many ways, and I have applied it other ways, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, I believe, applies to this more than anything else. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Friend, all you need is Jesus. That's the only thing that matters right now. At this moment, the only thing that matters in your life is, is Jesus living inside of me? Is Jesus, the Bible says that, that we are the temple of God now. No longer does God dwell in temples made by human hands. No longer does he dwell behind that veil in the holiest of holies by the Ark of the Covenant. But now he desires to live inside the hearts of men. The Holy Ghost. I want us to stand right now. I feel his presence. I want Jesus. That has to be the driving force. I want Jesus. Nothing else satisfies. Nothing else can help me. There's nothing else that matters. What I need more than anything right now is Jesus. And I can hear old blind Bartimaeus screaming in the background, Jesus, 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 thou son of David, have mercy on me. I begin to see all of those that gravitated to Jesus. I can hear them call out, Jesus, I need you. And today I believe there are some here under the sound of my voice that you need to begin to call out to Jesus and you need to begin to reach out to Jesus. I want you to lift your hands as we begin to come to this building or to this front. I want you to begin just to lift your hands and I want you as you get out of your pew and as you walk down to the front, I want you to begin to say, Jesus, I need you. Nothing else satisfies. Nothing else will do. I want your spirit. I want the Holy Ghost. I need you. Would you come right now? And would you call out to him? And would you reach out to him right now? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.